Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Today, I want to start a new series we're kicking off this year uh, with a series called Creating a Culture of Expectation. Creating a culture of expectation, of expectation. You know, I'm a person um, who <laughs> I think I expect a lot sometimes, and I, fi I find myself, I was, this past week, I discovered something about myself, and that is that I just expect things to go well all the time. And I think that's actually a flaw of mine sometimes, because I just, and I don't understand when it doesn't. You know, little things. Like I was watching the Colts game yesterday, and I just, I just thought, well, you have a, a good running game, and you have a good defense. Why don't you just win the game? What's the problem? You know, or if I'm playing piano, and I put my fingers down on the piano, and it plays the wrong chord, I'm mad at my hands, because I'm going, what is your problem? Just play what I expect you to play, you know, and it's kind of a flaw. You know, I found that out when I step on the scale, and I'm like, why aren't you what I said you should be? I just expect it to be what it should be, you know. But really, what I found with myself is that is really not expectation. It's really presumption. And there's a difference in presumption and expectation. You see, presumption comes in when you don't put in any, any work, right? You just wake up and you just assume. You have this, you know, sort of elitist attitude that everything is going to come to you and it should work that way. And it's, you know, something I'm working on in some areas because I just think it should just work. Um, but, uh, you know, when you don't put in the work and you don't plan and prepare, uh, you know, Al was telling me this morning, reminding me of the scripture where Solomon talked about, look at the ant, look at the ant. In fact, <laughs> he said, look at the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> it's like, well, dad, you don't have to call me names. But he said, look at the ant, you sluggard, how he prepares. And so when we don't have preparation and we don't do these things, then we're not expecting, we're presuming. Okay, but here's the difference with us, with you and I. We have somebody who is for us that no one can defeat, and that is the Lord God himself. If God be for you, who can be against you? And so we have a right as Christians to expect God to be God, to do what it is that he does. We also, also should expect of ourselves to do what we're supposed to do. That's why last week we talked about God must be first. God must be first. If we do that, then we have every right to expect everything that God said he would do for him to do. We have every right to expect it because we have a covenant with him. In fact, I, I don't want to speak for God in this particular, uh, on this particular subject, but if it were me I, and I were God, I would be offended that you didn't expect me to do what it is that I said that I would do because I'm God. And so we have a right to expectation, but you know, expectation really is a heart issue. And that's what I want to talk about just for a few moments this morning, because we need to create that culture. 
We don't want to just expect something one time and then the next time, well, I'm not really sure. No, we need to live a life of expectation. A life of expectation. And so this series that we're embarking upon today is really a series that I'm hoping will build your faith. It will build your faith. It will strengthen your heart, change your perspective on some things, and enlarge your vision. Listen, I said it when we, you know, when we came into last year, I think we, some of us were very presumptuous. Even with prophecies and all of these things, we were very presumptuous about some things. And so we found ourselves immediately on the defensive. Oh, what will we do? How do we respond? How do we react? Uh, even in the church, now what are we going to do? We go online. Well, what do we have to do? We have to purchase this thing, and we have to figure out Facebook Live, and we got to do the website, and how, what do we do at church? How many people? We're always, we were on the defensive this whole year trying to figure out how we're going to respond to what's going on around us. And then when all of the other things started happening in the news and all the racial things happened, it's nothing new, and I don't mean in America. America, I mean in the world. I mean since the history of the world. It, you know, it's nothing new for people to be at odds over things like that, okay? But we found ourselves reacting. Well, who's going to make a statement? Will this pastor make a statement? Well, what will you say? How do you balance it? What do you believe? And we, we found ourselves on the defensive almost the whole year trying to react to what the enemy was throwing at us. And I imagine he was just sitting around kind of twiddling his thumbs, laughing at us. This year is a year where we're on the offensive, church. We are on the offensive, and it's not reactionary. It's just, we're just continuing to move forward as God has given us a vision to move forward. And no matter what the enemy throws our way, we have an expectation that God will do what he said he's going to do. No matter what. We have a biblical spirit of expectation, and it goes beyond just positive thinking. I'm not talking about let's sit around and think positive. Of course you should think positive, but our positive thinking is based on the Word of God that is infallible. Come on. It is infallible. It cannot fail. The grass withers. The flower fades, somebody. But the Word of God stands forever. So our expectations are based on a sure thing. This is not gambling. It's not blind faith. If I hear the term blind faith one more time, it, it, with Christians, there's no such thing as blind faith. If you have blind faith, it's not Jesus that you're believing in. I don't know who you're believing in. But it's not blind faith. We have an expectation. God himself is our expectation. And so here's what I want to say right off the bat. Turn over, if you can, to Psalms chapter 5. We're just going to get one verse out of there. It's going to be our base scripture. But let me just throw this at you real quick. God, his desire is to bless us. Bless us not only spiritually. He wants to bless us with spiritual gifts. He wants to bless us with vision. He wants to bless us, uh, before we get to Psalm 5-3 in just a moment, he wants to bless us with vision. He wants to bless us with uh, so many things in the spirit. But God also wants to bless us 
physically. He wants to bless our finances. He wants to bless our relationships, our marriage relationships. He wants to bless our parental and child relationships. He wants to make those sweeter. He wants to bless our job. God cares about everything that we care about. But here's the thing, and here's what I want you to understand right off the bat. We have to have an Abraham-like vision. And that is that Abraham didn't look at the material things in order to be blessed with material things. So our expectation can't just be, I'm just expecting more money, that's it. That's part of it. I'm just expecting my relationship to be better. I'm expecting to be delivered. And you're only looking at the material things. Because Abraham said something that's very key. And I hope you get this in your spirit. He said, God, you are my very great reward. It goes back to God being first. Because if you read Matthew chapter 6, just read it again. I know some of you have read it over and over and over. Some of you may have forgotten what's in there. Just read it again, how he talks about Solomon and the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and all these things that are taken care of. And he goes through all of this and he gets down to, to, to verse 33 and he says, But, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm just repeating to you what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods. Come on. I mean, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. All these things will be added unto you if, if you keep me first. Psalm 5.3 says, my voice you shall hear in the morning. This is David exclaiming to the Lord. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, he says, I will direct it to you and I will look up. The NIV says, I lay my request before you. Imagine laying your request before God. We do that. It's called supplication. Supplication is laying your request before God. We lay our request before God, but look what David says here, and I want you to get this. He says, I wait expectantly, expectantly. In other words, I am expecting an answer from you. I am, I am waiting for and expecting an answer from you. I'm not going anywhere. It's almost like you're having a conversation with somebody and they ask you a question you think is rhetorical, so you just stand there and don't say anything. You're ready to move on, and they're just standing there looking at you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for an answer. That's how we are when we lay our request before God. That's what he expects of us. That's what he expects of us for us to have expectation. This is the heart of expecting, believing, praying, watching, and waiting for answered prayer. This, this Greek word, elpis, it, it, the translation uh, of this word hope and expectation, it means, watch this now, the desire of something good with expectation of obtaining it. It goes together. The desire of something good together with the expectation of obtaining it. Confidence of expectation of a divinely provided future. A looking forward with confident expectation. See, I believe it's flawed thinking to think that if I just do hard work, then everything will work out and I'll have everything that I've ever wanted. 
And over here, I also believe that it's flawed thinking to think that I don't have to do everything. I just need to pray and God will provide everything I need and everything will be beautiful and I have everything that I've ever wanted. No, we're somewhere in the middle here. Hard work plus confident expectation. My wife and I had a conversation one time. You, you, you may not remember, but we were talking about we were talking about uh, the difference in natural talent, natural gifting, and hard work. And our conversation, we were talking about this, and I began to think about this. You know, what's better? Because there are a lot of people who just have natural talent. You know, they can dunk a basketball, they can add numbers, they can do whatever it is, play tennis or whatever it is they do, and they're just natural. And it's almost like no matter how hard someone over here works, They'll never be able to do what this person did. And it's like, almost like they didn't even really work that hard. They just have a natural talent for doing it. And then you see over here where people who, who just are going to outwork you. They are just going to outwork you. And even though you have some natural talent, this person over here worked so hard that they elevated themselves way past where you ever are because you relied only on your talent. I know, I know, I apologize to you. I know I just, I am a big sports fan. So I always use these sports analogies, but I've seen it. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times in sports where you have a team that has all the talent in the world and they go out there and it doesn't look like they're working very hard. And you have this other team and they're just working their behinds off and they end up winning the game. Why? The other team was way more talented. You could tell. At every position, they're more talented. But this team worked harder. And so then you think, well, what's better? Should I have, who, who succeeds more? Who are the outliers? Malcolm Gladwell, some of you don't know him, but he wrote this book called Outliers. And he talked about this. He, that's where the 10,000 hours came from and all of that. And so, you know, you talk about, well, what's better? What's better? And what we find is to get, to, to really obtain your purpose you must be, have some kind of gifting and talent. God gives every one of us some gifting and talent. And you'll find that out if you begin a, a trek down life that you're not gifted at. Your gift is over here, but you're trying to do something else because you saw somebody else do it and you got jealous of them and you want to do it and you really work hard. You never get to where you're going to be because that's not your gift. Find out what your gift and purpose is. So you have to have some gift and purpose and you have to work hard to obtain uh, the purpose that God has put you here for. Otherwise, you only get as far as your talent can take you and you only get as far as your work can take you. Your work without any talent can only take you so far. I mean, some don't want to believe that, but it's true. So that's why you should work hard in the gift that you have. Find out what gift you have and then work hard in that. And if we do that, we have every right to expect 100%. We should expect everything that God had, has for us. If you're not where you think you should be in life, could it perhaps be that maybe you're not walking in your gifting? Or could it perhaps be that you think you're gifting? I know the Bible says your gift will make room for you, but it's just that. It's only going to make room. It's not going to take you over the finish line. It's only going to open a door and make room. Now you got room, what you going to do? Stay here in the room? <laughs> no, if we're going to go forward, we got to work. We have to put in the work. But if we do those two things, we can expect. 
Here's what I mean by expecting. Expecting means to look forward with the heart of faith, to see things that God will do and believing God will provide all we need for our God future. Listen to me. You can't get through life on talent alone. You can't get through life on talent alone. We have to have revelation. We're going to have to have some vision. So you have to understand this. Talent does things that other people can't do. We know that. But vision, revelation sees things that other people can't see. And that's where you get to your purpose. We need to be able to see things that others can't see. And that's where we get the revelation from God. Expecting with our heart. Expecting. Psalm 62.5, David said, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. I don't expect in my bank account. I'm not expecting in any worldly thing. My expectation is from God. Romans 15, 13 said, May God, the source of hope, in other words, expectation, fill you with all joy and all peace by means of your faith. For by grace ye are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see balance everywhere in Scripture, even with grace and faith. You see, because we, you know, some of us will say, well, you know, I, I'm saved. I just, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything. There's nothing I have to do. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Because it's grace. But guess what? If you don't have any faith, if you don't confess with your mouth, the grace is there, but you didn't walk in it. You may not be with the Lord forever. Grace and faith go together. It must go together. He goes on to say that so that your hope, your expectation will continue to grow by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And I think for this expectation, for us to continue in this expectation and not just say amen on Sunday morning. By the way, in a few moments, we're going to pray together. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I mean, I am a person who like for you to pay attention to me when we're when I'm preaching, I, you know, like every other preacher or speaker. Uh, but at the same time, uh, and I, I'm not all for multitasking. I understand that. But begin to think in your mind about some expectations for this year. Because we're going to pray for that in a few moments. I mean some personal expectations. Next week when we make our declaration, we're going to talk about expectations for the church. We're going to talk about big picture expectations, miracles that are going to happen. I believe there's going to be uh, healings. I believe that there's going to be some marriages that come back together. Amen. I believe that there's going to be some financial miracles like you've never seen. As long as the hard work is there. It's got to go along with the work now. You can't just sit at home on the couch and wait for somebody to knock on the door. It's the Brinks truck. I got 500000 for Larry. I hope that for you, Larry, but you never know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it too. Uh, but likely, if we're not doing anything, if we're not doing our part, that may not happen. But I believe that this year there are going to be some miracles that happen that are going to blow our mind. They're going to, I mean personally. I don't just mean in our country. I believe that too. And I don't just mean around the world. I believe that as well. But I mean, I believe right here in this congregation, there are going to be some miracles and some testimonies uh, of what God is going to do. By the way, don't think that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. 
when I talk about miracles because last year I harped a lot on practicality and how there are people who live for miracles. We're not going to be people who live for miracles. That's the person who you sluggard. That's the person who sits on the couch and does nothing and just waits for God to do a miracle. That's not, I'm not talking about that. See, everywhere in the word you'll find balance. There's hard work and there's miracles and they go together. They go together. And so this year, I believe that there are going to be miracles that are going to blow our mind. Absolutely. Personal miracles that will touch you personally. And there's going to be testimonies of those. Be overcome by the word of our testimony. It's going to happen. But listen, listen. There, you know what I found is that uh, between praying and requesting and manifestation, there is a bridge. And that bridge is called expectation. Between praying and requesting and asking and manifestation is a bridge called expectation. Expectation. What we have to do in order to, to sustain this expectation is we have to cultivate our heart. It starts in our heart. We have to have a heart of expecting. And so, first of all, with your heart, you are going to have to guard your heart. Watch this now with intentional intensity. Guard your heart. In other words, all I'm saying there is guard your heart on purpose. Because just like that, um, you know, just like the illustration, right, again, of the boat that's sitting out on the lake. You're out on Lake Monroe and you don't have any oars or you don't have, uh, what is it called, the motor, right? And you're, I know, I should know that. Uh, I know anti-disestablishmentarianism, but I can't remember motor. But if you're, you know, sitting out in the boat and uh, you're just sitting there and you say, well, I'll just stay right here in this one spot. All of a sudden you fall asleep, take a little nap, you wake up, you're way over on the other side of the lake. Why? Because if you don't do anything, listen, life will take you somewhere you don't want to go. Life is going to, in other words, life is going to take you where it wants to take you if you don't do anything. I know a lot of people say, just, I'll just take things as they come. I get that. I get the sentiment behind it. But I'll just take things as they come and whatever happens, happens. Kesara, Sarah, and all the other sayings. I get that. But at the same time, if you're not a purposed person, then just expect life to take you wherever it wants to. And don't be surprised where you end up. Don't be surprised where you end up. So we have to, with intentional intensity, guard our heart. Otherwise, all kind of things will get into our heart. Next thing you know, there's no telling what you'll be believing. No telling where you'll find yourself. No telling what you're saying on a daily basis, what you're speaking over your life, over your children's life, over your friend's life. No telling what will happen. And you'll look up and go, how did I get here? Because you weren't on purpose. Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. The Message Version says, Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. That's where life starts. See, your spiritual life is in your heart. It's the core. It's, it's your core being. Heart is the core word. We're not talking about the muscle, obviously, but it's the core word used to describe your inner spiritual man, that secret place. That's what you have to guard. That's where your life essence comes from. Who you are comes from that place. So guard that. Don't just let anything in there. 
Remember 1 Samuel chapter 16 when uh, Samuel went down and God said he was anointing a new king. I know you know the story and you've read it a million times. Uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, he was looking at his brother and he said, uh, David's brother. And he said, surely this one is king, right? Remember that? Remember the story? I mean, good looking guy. You know, he looked like the rock or somebody. He was, he was tall, you know, good looking, probably muscular. But he probably had a beard, you know, back then and a little scruffy. You know how y'all like the scruffy dudes, you know. And uh, I mean, he was looking good. He was looking good. God said, ah, don't look at his appearance, at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, come on, looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Jeremiah 17, 10, God said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. See, you can fool everyone else. You can have talent. It's only going to take you so far. You can fool everyone else in the world. But I, the Lord, look at the heart. I test the mind, even to give everyone according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. I test your heart. Well, Lord, that's why uh, Jesus said there will be many that come before me and say, Lord, didn't we do great things? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we pray for people? Didn't we do this and didn't we do that? I, the Lord, search the heart. Get away from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. Relationship with God has to be first. And we have to protect our heart in order to say, I expect, I expect, I expect, I expect good things this year. I expect everything to turn around. I don't care who's in office or who's not in office. I don't care. I expect good things from God because he's still the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He's the King of the universe. I don't care the president on Mars. He's the King of him, whoever that may be. God is the King of everything. So my expectation is in him, not in our economy, not in my bank account. Not in people who dis we disappoint each other. But our heart, it's our heart. And then once you guard your heart, now begin to fill your heart with God things. Your heart must be kept pure, filled with the word of God. I can't emphasize enough. This is, this is a, you know, it's, it's a basic thing. We tell each other this. Preachers preach it. Christians say it. We all know it. We tell ourselves this thing. But you must read your word constantly. Read it at least every day. At least every day. You know, I used to say, well, you know, Lord, that, that's kind of difficult. You know, and as a pastor, I just, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't want to put too much on our people or, you know, tell them that it's, you know, that that's necessary because that kind of may drive them away because they'll feel like it's legalism and then, and then, wah, wah, wah. I had all this stuff I was bringing before God. And God told me, listen, I am the life sustainer. You don't understand. You, you think it's, you think it's a burden that you just crack the book every day or go on your, uh, you know, the Bible app every day uh, and just and read a few verses. You think it's some kind of burden, but listen, it's the, I am the life sustainer. I am causing you to overcome. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking bondages in finances, in, uh, in, in generational curses, alcoholism and, and drug use and broken relationships and divorce and cancer and COVID-19. I am the one who is going to take care of all of those things if my people who are called by my name would seek my face 
humble themselves and pray. I'll hear it from heaven where I am and I'll heal their land. We want to be healed from COVID-19? If my people, if my people. So no, it's not a burden. It's not a burden. Take some time every day. You take time every day to brush your teeth. If you don't, somebody's going to let you know somewhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you take time every day to put on some clothes. If you don't do that, somebody's going to let you know. I hope. <laughs> Unless you scared everybody away. Like I would, Larry. But So you can certainly take some time and read God's word. And listen. God, you know what, you know, we think that man uh, is the inventor of technology, right? You know, it's, oh, look what God gave us. Boy, man just came up with all this technology and all of these things. You know what I believe? I sincerely believe this. I believe God just created technology. He just gave it to us all of a sudden because he said, look, I, I, I cannot make it any easier for you to find me. You can put a reminder on your phone every morning in the Bible app. And in fact, the one I have even reads it to me. How lazy am I, you sluggard? I just hit the play button. I'm supposed to read Genesis 28. I hit play and the guy just reads it. And then Abraham came from the, I just have to listen. God said, I can't make it any easier. Only by osmosis, but I'm not going to do that. God said, I'm not going to do that. And so we got to fill our heart. We have to fill our heart with God things, folks. Deuteronomy 30, 14, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it, that you may do it. Listen to Proverbs 15, 13. I know I'm throwing some scripture at you, but Proverbs 15, 13, a, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but the, by the sorrow of the heart, my spirit is broken. I threw that in there because I believe that the further we get away from God's word and the more we stop reading and we distance ourselves, it gives us sorrow of the heart. and We don't know why. We have broken spirits and we don't know why. Paul encouraged the church at Colossus and thereby encouraged us. He said, if then you were raised with Christ, how many were raised with Christ? You were, right? Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. In other words, stop looking like this only and being affected by what you see laterally. But let's do a little bit of this. God, what do you see? Lord, give me your vision for the future. Show me your purpose. Let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let me walk in that because I've had vision. All of this is talent. It can do things people can't do, but vision can see things people can't see. Take me above, Lord, and not beneath. Your heart is where your treasure is, folks. Where your treasure is. Where your, where, what is your treasure? Listen, the treasure doesn't follow the heart, but the heart follows the treasure. That's what the scripture says. The heart follows the treasure. So then the question becomes, where is your treasure? Where are you focused? Where are your eyes looking? What are you looking at? Matthew chapter 6, I uh, alluded to it earlier, but verses 19 to 21, Jesus said, don't hoard treasure down here 
Why? Because treasure, you know, listen, material things, folks, here, here's how I want to change your, your, your perspective on material things. Because I don't want you to think that I'm a person who absolutely, I am absolutely not a person who thinks, I know Jesus said the poor will be with you always, but I am absolutely not a person who thinks that you need to live in poverty or sorrow or some kind of walk around with your head down. Absolutely not. We are the children of God. We are the children of the King. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed people. And God wants us to be blessed. And so what the, our perspective on treasure has to be this. Of course, God wants to bless us with material things. Of course. But it's, it's manna. You remember 1 Corinthians, I believe, around maybe chapter uh, 10. I'm not really sure. But it talks about Paul was talking to the Corinthians about how things in the Old Testament are examples of things, uh, spiritual things in the New Testament. And I believe manna is such a big thing uh, that it's, it's such an example to us. God said, I'll provide for you every day. Don't worry about what was there yesterday. As long as you keep me first and you're doing the work, I will provide for you every day more. I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. But where we trip up is we start looking at the stuff and we start seeking the stuff. And when we start seeking the stuff, it starts going away. You start getting a hole in your pocket. Come on, that's an old saying my grandfather used to have. You got a hole in your pocket. It means you can't keep money. And, and so all of those things happen. But our eyes have to remain on God. We must invoke the name of Jesus. We must speak the name of Jesus. He said, stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it, that the place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be where you will most want to end up being. And so we must fill our heart with God things. And lastly, let your heart overflow with expectations. Let your heart overflow with expectations. Here's what I'm saying when I say that. You know, a lot of times, uh, I know I'm this way. When I get a lot of things, for example, maybe uh, Christmas time, and I get a gift that I really wanted, and I feel so thankful, oh man, and then all of a sudden, someone else gives me another gift, and then I get a third gift, then I kind of start feeling guilty. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, maybe just me, you probably are better than me, you probably know, bring some more on, keep it coming. But then it's, it's kind of like, well, dang, I got all this stuff, okay, enough, guys, enough, guys. I, I, we, we probably, most of us have been there where somebody's giving you praise, right? And, uh, you know, you're just, you're so great. You're so, oh, go on. No, really, go on. <laughs> I think our attitude with this, let your heart overflow with expectation, simply means we're not letting God off the hook. You know, God, okay, God, that's enough. Thank you for the blessings. That's enough. Go bless someone else. Guess what? He's got enough to go around. He's got enough to go around. You want to know why? Because God just doesn't have a storeroom of stuff. Like, you know, we have a budget, and, and we, we don't want to go over that budget. You know, uh, you know, our budget is this amount of money or whatever it is, and that's, that, once that's done, that's it for this year. we got to wait till next year. That's not where God is. God is a creator. God creates anything he needs. It's just there. It's who he is. He speaks it. God spoke. He said, let there be light. Guess what? There was light. I'm talking about before he invented the sun. Read it. Before he invented the moon and the stars, he said, let there, he just said it. If I want something, I don't have to go back and figure out how to do it. I'm God. I just say it. So God, listen, God is not going to run out of stuff. Don't worry about it. 
He's not going to run out. Let your heart of expectation overflow. I just don't expect my sister to get saved. I expect my brother, her, his kids, my cousin, my third cousin, twice removed. I don't even know what that stuff means. But all those people down the line, I expect everybody. Uh, it's just my expectation. It's my God is able to do it. He's able to do it. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, the message version says, God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. I love the way Eugene Peterson put this. He said, he does not do it by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. That's what he does. He empowers us. God's spirit, that's what the anointing is. You know, the anointing, this word, the anointing, used to confuse me for years when people said someone was anointed because they sang real loud or they uh, played real good on the organ. And I finally found out that the anointing is simply God's empowerment to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. It's just his empowerment. He gives it to you. He gives you the power to do what he's called you to do. So let your heart overflow. Expect God, first of all, to do miracles in your life. Now, the key word here is not miracles. The key word here is expect. Expect. Expect God to do miracles in your life. Expect God to do great things in you and through you. Expect it this year, folks. Expect it. Expect God to favor you and bless you. Expect him to surprise you. Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. This is scripture. I'm not telling you this just to fire you up or get you excited like we're at some seminar. Are you with me? Are you with me? No, I'm, I'm giving you scripture. This is what God is saying. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. He said no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Read the whole scripture. He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Does that mean you're perfect? No, that's not what walk uprightly means. It means have him first in your life. Just think of it that way. As long as God is first in my life. If God is first in my life and I trip up and do something I'm not supposed to do, I'll go running back to God. I'm not going to be like Adam and Eve and hide. I'll go running to God. God, please, I realize my mistake. I pray your mercy. I pray your forgiveness upon me. We'll go run. And that's, that's what God wants. That's all he wants. He already knows what you're going to do before you do it. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. But what he wants is you to come to him because he can work in you. He can mold you and make you. And then expect God to abundantly provide for you financially. Folks, I'm telling you, God is able to do it. Don't, I, I, I won't apologize for that one. I, I'll leave it alone. I won't apologize for that. Come on now, God. Listen, you do what you, no matter, look, some of us have dug ourselves a hole at times. Come on. But it's no deeper than the hole of sin that you've been in. And God was able to save you from sin. God was able to save you from going to hell. Come on. God was able to save you from being separated from him. So he's able to abundantly provide for you financially as long as you do what he asks you to do. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his. This, this, <laughs> he has pleasure. It's not that he's just like, okay, you can be prosperous. That's okay. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
of his servant, of his servant. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. As long as we honor the Lord with our possessions and with the first fruits of all of our increase, it's all about being first. God has to be first. And then last, expect God to get you out of the boat this year. Expect God to get you out of the boat this year. Expect him to get you out of the boat. There's going to be some things that you're, you're going to be asked to do this year that you never thought you'd be able to do. There's going to be some ways that God is going to ask you to think that's going to change your traditional thinking. Come on, now I'm, I'm talking about to some seasoned saints as well. There's going to be some things that God's going to put on you that it, well, that's not what I believe for the last 50 years. I'm not talking about the cross. I'm talking about, about purpose and the, and the way God wants you to walk and some things that he wants us to do. There's some ways he's going to ask us to think differently. And young people, there's some things he's going to ask you to do that I don't know about that. It just doesn't sound right. You, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what God is going to do. But our job is to, is to receive what he says and walk in it. Walk in it. Expect God this year to get you out of the boat. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. You know what Jesus said? What did he say? Well, come on then. If he was from Georgia, come on. I mean, if he was from New England, he would have said, come. But he said, come on. Can you imagine that? You asking Jesus for a miracle, for something that's outlandishly crazy. And Jesus says, well, all right then. It's about time you thought a little higher than the way you've been thinking. 